0: Welcome to the Ferris Love Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Peter Kliponis, founder of Integrity Starts Here, a recovery program for those struggling with a pornography addiction. Peter will be discussing the effects of pornography and how we can protect our children. As a disclaimer, this episode will include the discussion of sensitive to- topics regarding pornography and addiction. Please be advised. Dr. Pete, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: So this topic on um, pornography is a very sensitive topic. <laughs> and I'm curious with how you kind of got into helping people kind of recover from this addiction.
1: Well, I, I kind of fell into it by accident. Mm-hmm. Um my background is in marriage and family therapy, and when I began practicing, which I, I I hate to say it was 27 years ago, but when I began, I made two decisions. Number one, I wanted to work from a Catholic perspective, because I know that that would bring the most healing to people, and I also wanted to work with men. So, and people ask, well, why men? I say, well, everywhere you go, you hear about women's issues. It's all the women's issues. I say, what about the men? The men have issues too, right? Just to ask the wives, they'll tell you. Okay. So over the years, I worked with a lot of men. I work with a lot of couples. What I discovered about 14 years ago was a shift in my clientele. More men were coming to me who were struggling with pornography. Uh, in fact, for many of the married men, it was actually the wives that were calling, seeking help. So I saw this pattern and I decided that I had to really investigate this and see what was happening. And what I discovered was there was this huge epidemic of internet pornography addiction going on, but nobody wanted to talk about it. It was taboo. No one could say anything about it, but there was this huge problem with it. And of course, you know, this piqued my interest, and I really wanted to help these men. So I went back to school, retooled, and got, you know, recertified as a sex addiction therapist and started really working in this field, particularly with internet pornography addiction. Uh, you know, and that's where my books and the whole program developed out of that because, again, they were coming to me looking for a Catholic program, and there wasn't anything out there. Uh, There were a lot of great great secular programs, a lot of great Christian Protestant programs, but nothing Catholic. So after some prayer and discernment, I realized, okay, maybe God's calling me to create one. And that's what I did.
0: Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned 14 years ago is when, you know, the notice in your research. We'll get into statistics in a moment. But how have you noticed a shift in, I guess, from prior to the 14 years? You know, it's always been taboo. But how have you noticed this shift of consumption or?
1: Things, thankfully, have changed, all right, because now more people are aware of pornography, the effects of pornography and pornography addiction, and more people are now willing to talk about it. And that's the great thing. People want to talk about this. They want to address it. It's not something that, you know, we just, you know, sweep under the rug. People want to face it and they want to address it. And that's the good news. And there's a lot of great information out there. There's a lot of good education out there that people can, can get to really understand, you know, what pornography is all about, the impact of it, the effects of it on marriages and family, how addictive it is, and also what recovery looks like.
0: And how does, let's, I mean, we'll just play, you know, devil's advocate kind of here. How does, how does pornography affect the person?
1: Oh, in many ways, in many ways, you know, it it affects the brain like a drug. Uh, you know, we used to think that this was only with men, but we find it's both men and women now, you know, and what happens is that, um, you know, when a person looks at an erotic image, there is actually a chemical reaction that occurs in the brain. A chemical called dopamine is released in huge amounts, huge amounts. Now, a little bit of dopamine is good. You know, you get a text from your best friend, you feel good at that moment, that's a little bit of dopamine, that's good. Well, with pornography, it's like getting a tidal wave of dopamine. It's too much. But of course, you know, the brain loves it. The pleasure center of the brain loves it and wants more and wants to keep getting more. And it can actually become addicted to this, addicted to this rush of dopamine, Right, You know, the same thing can occur, for example, with a person who has a gambling addiction. You know, they're standing there at that slot machine, they're pressing that button over and over again, they're getting a rush of dopamine and they're feeling the thrill and the excitement of it all. Right. We call this a process addiction. Now, normally with addictions, we think of putting a foreign chemical in our body for the effect on the brain like drugs and alcohol. With process addictions, it's different. You're not putting a foreign chemical in your body, but you are engaging in a behavior that has a similar effect on the brain. All right, we call these process addictions. The most commons are pornography addiction, gambling addiction, video game addiction, shopping addiction. Right, it's all based on these behaviors and the effect it has on the brain, which is that huge release of dopamine.
0: And um, so, with that release of the dopamine, how does that kind of affect, you know, the relationships that? anyone, right. Cause you said it was both men and women have with their significant others, with their spouses. What does that, what is the cause of that rush look like for their relationships?
1: Right. Well, this is very detrimental to the relationship because first of all, for the spouse, I mean, it, it's, there's a sense of betrayal. There's hurt, there's betrayal, you know, to them, these aren't just images on a computer screen. These are other women, right. Or other men, right. It can go both ways, all right, and there's a sense of hurt, a sense of betrayal. Uh, there's even a certain type of trauma that they experience from that. It's very similar to post-traumatic stress disorder. We call it betrayal trauma. Right, and I've worked with many wives who are struggling with this. Right, and it really, for wives, it really hurts them deep down inside their sense of worth their sense of beauty, their sense of desirability, right? Because, you know, we all know that, you know, the women in porn, they're all young, they're all beautiful, they all have these perfect bodies. And let's say you have a wife in her 50s, she sees what her husband has been viewing online, and what does she come to the conclusion? Well, she says to herself, how can I compete with that? You know, he must think I'm ugly, I'm no longer beautiful, I've lost my desirability. He wants to replace me with these young girls on the internet right that that hits a woman right in the heart it's awful and it is traumatic right you know and and you know and it affects marriages unbelievably you know the american association of matrimonial attorneys also known as divorce lawyers mm-hmm. did a study about this back in 2012 and they found that pornography plays a significant role in 56% of all divorces Right. Now that was 12 years ago. I'm sure it's probably higher now. Mm -hmm. So we know that this has, this has devastating effects on marriages.
0: Mm -hmm. And you said you help a lot of women with that betrayal. Betrayal
1: um, trauma. trauma. Yes. Mm -hmm. So
0: how, how do you, when someone let's, let's get to like the part of where we want, we want recovery. We want people to, to be uh, relieved from this addiction. Mm -hmm. Where do you start?
1: All right. Well, we start with, you know, first of all, the person who is addicted has to admit there is a problem, right? They have to admit there is a problem, there is an addiction. They need to take full responsibility for it. There can be no denial and they have to be committing to doing whatever it takes to recover. So if recovery means you have to move a mountain, well, by golly, you better be ready to move a mountain, Right. then they need to be deeply immersed into a comprehensive recovery program, right? That's going to include counseling, support, accountability, a strong spiritual element to it, virtue, right? There's got to be a lot. And, and, and really, you know, I tell people, recovery is not simply a program that you do and you're finished and you're done with. Recovery is a lifestyle. It's the rest of your life. The good news is that it's a healthy lifestyle, very healthy. You know, so, but it's getting into that. And we also have to understand that when it comes to addictions, all right, for example, the addiction to pornography, the behavior, the pornography use, that's just the symptom. That's all it is. The question is, what is the root cause? What got you into pornography? What drives you back to it over and over again? This is what we call self-medicating, all right? And what we found is that 90% of the time that root cause has nothing to do with sex. Nothing at all. You know, people often ask me, well, how can I sit and talk about sex all day? I say, I don't. I don't. I want to get to the root of it. And often the root is some deeper trauma, you know, growing up in a home where maybe there was abuse, maybe there was addiction, maybe there was a nasty divorce, maybe there was neglect, you know, Uh, maybe these things could have occurred outside the home. You know, maybe you're abused by someone outside of the home, whatever. Usually there is some deeper trauma that what happens is they discovered somewhere along the way that pornography eases the pain. Mm. All right. Now, pornography right now is the number one drug of choice. Why? It's the most accessible. Okay. For example, for, with drugs and alcohol, you have to go out and look for them, and then you have to pay for them. Pornography is free, and it's just a click away. All right? So this is what it is. So, like I said, ninety percent of the time it has nothing to do with sex, mm-hmm. nothing at all
0: and And we liken it too with the drug. It is a drug. Um, and you know you have the high of a drug and then you have the crash when you don't have it. does yep. is pornography the same in the sense that after you know kind of a withdrawal period, is there still those kinds of those feelings and those emotions um mm-hmm. before kind of getting clear of it?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, there, there needs to be a detox. There needs to be a detox because what happens, you get the high, you get the crash. The brain doesn't like the crash. So what does it do? It wants to go back to what made it feel good. So it wants to go back to the pornography. So, you know, but when it comes to, you know, with the addiction, we, we kind of have to look at it as two sides of a coin. On the one side, you have the physical addiction where the body becomes physically dependent on the drug, the pornography. and needs it just to function. Right. Recovery from that is going to come from pure abstinence. You know, and that can take six to 18 months, you know, where the brain can go through this detox process and get back to a normal level of chemical functioning to where it won't need the dopamine and you won't have those cravings anymore. Right. That's the physical side. On the other side of the coin, you have the emotional side of the addiction where a person becomes emotionally dependent. Now, here's what usually happens. Most of us are introduced to pornography in our early adolescent years, and we know what's wrong. We shouldn't do it, but still, it's fun. It's exciting. It's the forbidden fruit and so forth. But then there's this little voice deep down inside that says, hey, this is a great escape. This makes us forget all of our problems. This makes us feel good. So let's keep going back to this. So from now on, anytime we're bored, burnout, frustrated, lonely, angry, rejected, abandoned, you name it, we're going to go back to this because this is the express train to pleasure. Now, are you aware you're doing that? No. All you know is you're looking at porn like every other person. Right? But this is what's happening. This is that self-medicating. Now, the problem here is that the effects are temporary. So you have to keep going back to that to deal with any type of negative emotion. And, of course, the more, of course, the more you keep going back to it over and over again, the more you become emotionally dependent on it. Right. And again, the more you keep going back to it, the more that physical side also has a chance to work. And both the physical and the emotional sides work together to create the addiction. All right. Now, when it comes to recovery, what does that look like? Like I said, on the physical side, it's abstinence, pure abstinence, you know. And this is why we place so much emphasis on sobriety. But then on the emotional side, it's identifying what are the wounds you're self medicating. You know, we need to understand what the roots are and work on the healing of that. And this is what I find is that the people struggling with this often are dealing with many deep wounds. They're very deeply wounded, broken people. Right. And here's where, you know, just like with alcoholism, we need to look at pornography addiction, not as a moral feeling, but as a disease, a disease that needs treatment.
0: You mentioned um, that. People are ex- being, children are being exposed. You get exposed younger and younger. Do you know this the statistics on that and, and at what age children are more exposed to that?
1: Currently, the average age of when a child is exposed to internet pornography is eight. That's it. You know, and there are many ways they can be exposed to it. And I tell you, I cringe when I see small children with smartphones. You know, they are out shopping, and, of course, the parent, what does he do? He gives the child a smartphone as sort of a babysitter to keep the child occupied. You don't know what that child's going to get into. right? And in my opinion, children, you know, elementary school and middle school kids don't need smartphones. Right. You know, but this is it. You know, they're getting involved earlier and earlier. And first of all, for the younger children, we need to protect them. For the older children, we need to educate them on what's out there because they're going to encounter it. It will find them. And just like any other drug, they need to learn how to say no to it.
0: And so yeah, you so you mentioned educating those children. What else can what else can parents do to
1: mm-hmm.
0: protect them, to prepare them?
1: Mm-hmm. What
0: are some practical things
1: that they can do? Well, there are a lot of things. Like I said, first of all, limiting technology, you know. Whether it's television, internet, video games, you name it, limiting that. You know, you know, no more than an hour or two a day. That's it. Okay. Also, I recommend having tech-free zones. Like for example, you know, no use of technology in the kitchen or the dining room, especially during meal time. We put the phones away. All right. No technology in the bedroom or the bathroom. All right. And there are certain times of the week where we don't use technology. For example, Sunday night, that's family time. We don't use any technology. Maybe we play board games or we'll go out and play basketball or whatever. Tech-free times, tech-free zones, right? Any use of technology also needs to be monitored, all right? With both filtering technology and accountability technology, right? Now, there's a lot of them out there. There's K9, there's Net Nanny, there's a lot of them out there now. The best one out there right now is Covenant Eyes. They have the best technology. So, and no, I'm not getting paid by Covenant Eyes to say that. (laughs) I wish they would pay me, but no, they don't. They've got the best technology. So making sure everything's monitored with that. Okay. Uh, And again, like I said, for the small children, we need to protect them from that. Like I said, small children should not have smartphones. You never leave your child alone with the internet. If they're on the internet, you're standing right behind them watching everything that they're doing, all right? Even with television, you know, you be careful what they're watching on TV. There are no more network sensors anymore. you got to be very careful to protect them. Children 11 and older, you need to educate them on the dangers of pornography, All right, Because it is out there. They need to know this is an addictive substance. This is not about sex. This is about an addictive substance, that will take over their lives, right? Now, that being said, children also need to have an adequate, healthy, age-appropriate sexual education. And unfortunately, they're not getting it, you know? At school, they get what what I call is a basic plumbing course. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this is a fallopian tube and this is what it does, that's all they're getting. And they're not getting anything at home, right? So uh, they need to know, you know, and they need to know everything. Like I know a lot of good Catholic families, they really teach their children the theology of the body very well, and they do a great job at that. And kids walk away thinking that's great. But now how do they make babies? <laughs> they don't know, okay? You know. So we need they need to know everything. Because if they don't know, they get to be teenagers, they're becoming adults, they're in puberty, they're becoming sexual beings, they want answers, and where are they going to go? The internet. And what are they going to get into? Pornography. Mm-hmm. So we parents, we need to give them the right information about this. I know it's uncomfortable, mom and dad, but we have to do it. Mm-hmm. right? So it is about educating them. So, you know, you know, I compare this to cigarette smoking. 50 years ago, doctors knew cigarettes would kill you. But no one could say anything about it. It was politically incorrect. It was taboo. It was everybody's right to smoke. And we were going to do it. We were smoking it in restaurants and on airplanes and everything. It took 50 years of intensive education. And unfortunately, millions of people dying along the way before we as a society got the message. And now everywhere you go, it's smoke free. All right. The same is going to have to happen with pornography. It's going to require intensive education because porn's not going to go away. You know, just like cigarettes never went away. They're still there. But with the education, what we did was we dramatically decreased the demand for it. And that decreased the supply. The same thing's going to have to happen with pornography. Through education, we can decrease the demand and thus decrease the supply. That's how it's going to happen.
0: Very powerful things that you're saying. Um, and it's very, very hard
1: passionate to about it. No, and
0: I, we love that. And, and it's it's very hard to hear because, you know, it is so taboo that, you know, if you're not paying attention or if you're not, you know, very clear on what your expectations are, it mm-hmm. could go by the wayside, but it's not. It's it's growing. It's getting, it's more serious. Um, and especially when we desire to protect our children from it, it's, it's so important and so critical to just even their development. Do you know if, um, like, the effects of porn on adults, is it, in their brain chemistry rise, is it the same or different with children?
1: Um, it is different, and it's very interesting because, you know, we, we have the research uh, on pornography addiction in adults, and many of these adults grew up without the Internet. So people, I'm, I'm in Generation X, we grew up without the Internet. Okay, so there's one set of of literature on research on people who grew up without the Internet. Then there's another set of research on people who did grow up with the Internet and the effects of pornography on them. And the ones that grew up with the Internet have a more difficult time recovering from the addiction than those who didn't. Okay, because those who grew up with the Internet, again, they were exposed at a very early age. And they had consistent exposure. In other words, they were able to go back to it over and over again. You know, maybe at home there was an unmonitored computer or tablet or cell phone or something. Okay. Now, this is very important during adolescence, during puberty, because during that period developmentally, the brain is literally rewiring itself to go from being a child's brain to an adult's brain. And during this period of rewiring, it is very vulnerable, very susceptible to outside influence. So you take this brain during this very fragile developmental period and you subject it to a lot of pornography, it is going to become hardwired to be addicted to pornography, to need that constant, extremely high flow of dopamine. All right. So what this means is that even though they can recover and do it successfully it will be much more difficult for them than say an older adult who did not grow up with the internet and did not have that exposure to pornography during adolescence. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is a difference here. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And in your in your your program in um, mm-hmm. integrity you bring in the catholic faith and you bring in those yes distinguish the fact that other you know companies did not have that faith piece what does the faith provide
1: you know
0: in recovery
1: well first of all you know you ask anybody who's ever successfully recovered from any addiction and they'll tell you they couldn't do it without god mm-hmm. all right you need grace you need that help with it you really do you know you just look at the 12 steps right it's all based on Christian spirituality. It's all there, you need it. Okay. So, you know, we need to have that. But what we also have here, you know, through our faith is we have access to an incredible amount of grace, which can really help a person through that, you know, through prayer, scripture, sacrament, spiritual direction, developing that deep relationship with God, because let me tell you, a lot of people who are addicted have a very difficult time, you know, believing how lovable they are, you know, And developing that clear, close relationship with God can really help them understand that, yes, they are lovable, you know, regardless of what they've done, regardless of how deeply entrenched they are in the addiction, they are lovable and they are loved. And this helps them to really work on healing from from the addiction, right? They need that grace, you know. And really, it's it's interesting because um, uh, it, it, it depends on how you approach God. Okay. You know, I work with so many men, and oftentimes when I talk about, you know, their relationship with God, they say they're frustrated with God, because their prayer is is usually something like, Lord, take it away, take it away, take it away. And God doesn't take away the addiction, and they get frustrated with God, and they think he doesn't care. And I say, no, God does care. The problem here is that they're going at it from the wrong direction. Instead of asking God to take it away we invite God into it, to walk with us through the recovery process. This is where you encounter his healing power. And through this process, not only do you experience that recovery from the addiction, but you also develop a much deeper relationship with God. You know, And that's the whole goal. I mean, what, what's the whole goal here? Relationship with God. That's what it is right so here's where i see god using our infirmities using our struggles not only to bring healing into our lives but to draw us closer to him Mm -hmm. right so and like i said you know you you talk to anybody who's been successful they say you can't do this without grace you can't you know and there is a spiritual battle here you know satan wants people to be trapped in this this snare of pornography he really does You know, even the Blessed Mother said it would be sins of the flesh that would be the downfall of man. Well, this is what we're seeing right now. We need this help when there is a spiritual battle and we need help to fight it.
0: Yes, and you are doing great things to help fight it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, I hope.
0: (laughs) If you could give, like, if you could say one thing to parents um, Mm -hmm. or spouses, really, about this fight, um, encouragement, what what would you share with us? What would
1: you say? I would say educate yourself you know what this is all about like I said you know this is a disease it's not a moral failing and the root of it all has nothing to do with sex all right and we need to protect ourselves we need to protect our kids because this stuff's not going away right the good news is you can protect yourself you can protect your kids you can educate them in a very successful way so that they'll grow up to be healthy all right, you know, we have the tools; we can do it. So that's the good news. That's
0: great. Thank you. Where can we find you? Where can where do, can you explain your work, and um, we can share the rest of it in the notes too. So please share with
1: us. Okay. Well, uh, you can, we we have a new website. Uh, it is called Integrity Counseling PA dot com. in Pennsylvania. Integrity Counseling dot com. That's where where we are.
0: Awesome. And you provide, what services do you provide?
1: Uh, we are, we are a, uh, in fact, we are the only Catholic group counseling practice here in Pennsylvania. We have seven therapists on staff, all devout Catholics. We all focus on, you know, really incorporating Catholic spirituality into the therapeutic process. We work with individuals, couples, families, and groups uh, dealing with issues like sexual addiction, but also things like depression, anxiety, compulsions, relationship issues, parenting, all of that. So we've, I've got the best staff of therapists around. They're awesome.
0: You're doing great things. Thank you so much, Dr. Pete, for being on our Thank show. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Podcast. In 2024, we want to reach as many people as possible. You can help by sharing this episode with a friend, subscribing to the podcast, or leaving a review. To learn more, visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.